Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Millennium Pod, a Star Wars podcast by me, Ari, at ari.in.space on TikTok and at millenniumpod underscore on Twitter and Instagram. This week, I'm very excited because I'm once again uh, being rejoined by my 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 dad, I mean, Bad Batch pals. Um, if you listen to uh, part one of our episode, it was called Kentucky Fried Crosshair and Other Batch Chats that we did uh, eight, like eight weeks ago already, which is kind of crazy um, around the mid-season of The Bad Batch. Now we have all seen the finale. We have all, you know, felt some pains, more pains. So we're going to talk about uh, the second half of the season and just just the season as a whole. But uh, why don't you all go around and introduce yourselves uh, once again in case people either forgot or didn't listen to part one, which they should have, but it's fine. Um, Give us your name, pronouns, where we can find you on social media. All of you have fantastic podcasts so please plug yourself a little bit that would be i would love that and uh we'll just do that for now and then we'll get to like the bad batch you know quote unquote icebreaker questions after that so um go for it someone volunteer (laughs) i volunteers tribute uh, excellent so, excellent <laughs> um i'll jump i'll jump first hello um hi everyone my name is camilla you can find me on tiktok at boricua wookie um i also have a star wars audio drama podcast called beings of the galaxy and that's an anthology where each episode is a look at a different uh original character behind the scenes just the people in the background throughout the star wars universe um you can find that wherever podcasts are streaming uh, also on Instagram at beings of the galaxy pod. Uh, and then my pronouns are also she, her, sorry. And I think that's it, right? Yep. I think you got it all. Perfect. Perfect. I will go next. Hello. I am Kevin. Uh, he, him pronouns. You can find me on TikTok at Kev 28 underscore. And my podcast is called back to Jack who, uh, you can find it. Uh, inst- we have an Instagram page back to Jack who podcast. Also, uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts can be found, you can find Back to Jakku there. And I guess I will go last. <laughs> my name is Ollie. My pronouns are they, them. You can find me on most social media, um, including TikTok at Ollie Fresh. It's fresh with a PH. And the podcast that I'm on is Rupalps Pod Race. Um, we are at Rupalps Pod Race on pretty much all social media. Um, and you can find us on pretty much every podcasting platform. So, yeah. Yes. So, everybody, uh, if you haven't already checked out their podcast, please do because truly such a joy to listen to. Um, now we will go around and tell me your favorite member of the Bad Batch. And also, uh, your favorite scene from uh, any any part of the season, favorite moment. If you have more than one, that's okay. I will allow it. Um, I'm going to go last. So Camilla, why don't you start us off again? Great. I shall. Okay. I kind of, my brain kind of frisked for a second. The questions were favorite character and then favorite scene. Yeah. Or mo- like moment, whatever. It's a whole episode. Okay. That's fine. Of the finale. Of just anything from the whole season if your favorite part was you know the very first episode that's cool okay great perfect all right well my favorite character is still um has been since the first episode and still is uh omega i love 
her so much. And this, the final episode truly solidified my love for her because I think I talked about this in the beginning, but when you first see Omega and you have that beautiful image of her super excited and, and the hyperspace reflecting in her eyes as she's looking forward to going into a space, it, it was, I was nervous and hoping that they wouldn't put through all of these trials and tribulations and then she would come out of it jaded and a darker character I feel like that happens a lot um and so it is seeing her at the end of the season still maintain that hopefulness and that optimism a desire to see the good in characters and specifically still in crosshair um that just solidifies that she is my favorite character and I love her so much so uh, Omega is definitely my favorite and then favorite ooh, the Omega that beginning scene I think the one that I mentioned about the hyperspace her with her in hyperspace is up there but another one that's really standing out in my mind is her conversation with Hera um, about flying and and how Hera talks about flying is a feeling and just the two of them interacting together was so special and so sweet because again, Hera is another one of my favorite characters and another um, very hopeful character. And to see these two children, they are kind of influencing each other and teaching each other and, and to know that Omega has a foundation and a hand in the foundation of who Hera comes to be is was super exciting and really great to see. Um, there are so many other favorite moments, but that's what's standing out in my mind. That was, wow. I'm going to cry. Beautiful, beautiful response. <laughs> um, Kev, go for it. <laughs> well, if the toothpick in my mouth says anything, it has been, probably always will be. And man, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, but this watching this finale, I wasn't able to fully enjoyed this episode because I have not been that stressed or anxious watching something in forever. The entire time I'm thinking Crosser's going to die, Crosser's going to die. And, and I literally, I I wasn't able to enjoy the episode fully because I was so nervous. Um, So Crosser has been my favorite. Uh, I just just think he's the coolest and I feel bad for him. Been to that a little bit later. Um, But favorite moment of the entire of 15, I'm going to speak because those are more like wowzer. Am I right? Uh, but uh, I think, I think that was one of the, the high points in the show is kind of seeing the other side of the clones post order 66. It's like, Oh, they're not all, you know, controlled by their chip. They still have some free will. And some of them are at, uh, openly against what the empire is doing. And they're going to stand up for what they believe in. And I mean, Hauser's got the second best haircut of all the clones uh, right behind Hunter, in my opinion. And his armor is so cool. And, you know, I just I love everything about Hauser. And I think we're going to see him again in season two. I think he's oh, yeah. a, he's become a fan favorite. I think there's no way they don't bring him back. Um, So his speech where he kind of, you know, talks to his brothers and is like, hey, what are we doing here? Um, I think that was such a high point in the show. And then uh, again, episode 15, everything else that happened in that episode, I also enjoyed. Yeah, I know that's, you're right. Hauser more like Wowser. <laughs> oh man. But you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He does have incredible hair. And that speech was definitely a high point for me as well, because it was just like, wow, get it, get it, man. And then they all, oh, I can't. Okay. Moving on. Ollie. <laughs> 
Yes. So I had an extremely similar um, feeling during the finale to Kevin um, in that my favorite member of the Bad Batch is Hunter. Um, And (laughs) I was the whole time being like, I hope Hunter doesn't die. I'm going to be really upset if Hunter dies eyes um so about halfway through episode 16 I was like okay I think I think we're safe I don't know if we're losing anybody um I have really liked the show I always have trouble picking out my favorite of anything because I feel like the parts complement each other um but I love Hunter because I think he has a very good mix of like I'm protective but I'm also trying to be um a pragmatist and figuring out what's you know, the balance between doing something for the greater good and doing something to keep the ones you love safe. Um, I always think that's a really interesting uh, sort of character archetype. Um, And the other thing too is Kev actually stole my favorite moment, which was Hauser's speech. Um, That being said, I love the entire episode with the Syndulas. Hera is one of my favorite characters. I am in love with Eleni Syndulla. I have a very weird (laughs) appreciation of Cham, so... (laughs) It's fun. Um, but I also think my other probably favorite moment is the episode in, sorry, I have to check just to make sure I got it right, is in episode nine, Bounty Lost, um, when Fennec and Omega finally get to talk. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, listen, I'm like trying to help you. Let's be on the level with each other. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love Fennec Shand. I cannot wait to see her again. I know she'll be back. Um, but yeah, I just, it's so hard to pick a favorite because there's so many good moments. No, yeah, definitely. Um, so much has happened. I I honestly almost forgot about that Cad Bateman Fennec Shan showed up and dueled. Like that feels so long ago, but that was, that was awesome. Uh, despite what some people on the internet said about that. Um, but um for me, my favorite of the Bad Batch is also Hunter. Pretty much, you know, the reasons you said. I mean, I also like how, you know, he's trying to find a his place in the galaxy, his place within the Bad Batch, and also their place as a whole in the galaxy. And he's really taking on that leadership role um, in, in trying to decide, you know, what's right. And you can tell even when Crosshair in, in episode 16 is like, y'all can join me, you know, for that second there, he does consider it. And, and I think, I think it's always good when a character is going to consider all options, even if uh, some options are bad, like joining the empire, right? Like um, it's never good to just be adamantly I'm right, no matter what. Um, And so I think that's also a a good thing about his character. I also just, I just, I, Dave does reluctant father figures so well, and I I just love it so much, um, which kind of goes into my favorite-ish moment, I guess. Um, The Hauser scene is obviously up there, but we've already mentioned that. So I will say one of my other favorite parts was in, uh, it's kind of like a two part in episode 14 and 15. So in episode 14, when Hunter is like, you guys got to go, I'm ordering you to go. Um, that killed me. I, I think I cried like the whole day, every time I thought about it. However, the thing I really liked about that scene was you can see how pained uh, like tech and echo and wrecker all are uh, leaving him behind. If you can see it, they did a really good job of that, um, which one is, is actually some character development for tech and echo. And, but two, it just shows, you know, how close they are as a crew, because we don't always see that. Like a lot of the emphasis was focused on Hunter and Omega's relationship or wrecker and Omega's relationship. So it is nice to see 
that brotherhood and how pained how pained they were and then i didn't like the way omega was begging him to to order them to come back that really that killed me however the payoff in episode 15 when they got reunited and she like full ran into him <laughs> and of course he didn't move because he's a solid hunk of a man but um she just ran into him that I was like oh I feel so good now I feel so good so those two moments together pain but the relief was just they did it again Star Wars did it again um and the payoff was great so I think that's at least like the most recent one I can think of that would be that would be favorite for me but um yeah so let's dive in um, I want to hear, you know, thoughts on the finale. Uh, there's a lot of thoughts from a lot of different people out there. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was great. I understand, you know, people saying it may have been underwhelming, but as other people have said, we have to remember this was a two-part finale. If you watch it as a whole thing, it wouldn't have been <laughs> underwhelming at all. Um, I think there's a lot left to think about. And I think, although we don't have like, you know, your classic cliffhanger of someone just got blown up and we don't know what's going to happen or something like that. I think we have a lot of cliffhangers in the sense of, we don't know what's going to happen to Crosshair. We don't know what's going to happen to the batch. You now we don't know where they're going. Um, we don't know how this most recent event and they're them being reunited with Crosshair for a bit. We don't know how that's going to affect the other four internally and their relationships with each other. So I think there's a lot that's left open, but yeah, I'd love to open it up. Ollie, you look like you're ready to say some things. So let's, let's go. I'm so sorry. On RuPalp's Padres, when we record, we all raise our hand when we want to talk because there's <laughs> five of us and we're all annoying. So we, we have to decide who's going to go that's next. Perfect. So if I'm standing here like this, um, but so I think to address the, um, the crosshair in the room, I thought that there's a lot of stuff I see about being like what Crosshair did was good or I'm forgiving him or he's bad and he's irredeemable. I think that there's a middle ground there. And I think that what's really interesting about Crosshair is that they didn't try to make you like him. Like they didn't try to make him a good guy at the end. And I really appreciated that because if they had taken Crosshair's overarching story, had him drop the revelation that he was he's not chipped anymore, and then had him immediately be like, yeah, I'll come with you guys. Like, I think, I believe, Kevin, you said this in a TikTok, um, but the idea of Crosshair appearing again and getting to actually experience like, well, wait, now that there are actually no other clones and I'm the only one, here's how it, the Empire doesn't really care about me and doesn't care about the clones. I'm not going to be having this glorious purpose that I thought I was going to have. Um, so I would, I'm really excited to see him face consequences for his actions um, and actually go through and do the work if they choose to go the, arc, the route of trying to redeem him or at the very least paint him in a sympathetic light. So I thought that it left Crosshair in a really interesting place. Um, one that we don't see super often in Star Wars. Yeah, no, it definitely did. And um, it also left us in a spot where I feel like we can't necessarily condemn him for being um, with the Empire yet because he hasn't actually seen what is going on and what they're actually doing like to him. It's just, oh, this is the next the next 
thing. I need to follow orders. That being said, obviously, you know, if he goes out and sees, you know, the empire's enslaving all these people and blowing things up and being just horrible, um, then, then, then yes, then I feel like we can say, sir, what are you doing? Um, go ahead. And I mean, like, sorry, um, to be, to be fair though, I do think that there's a conversation that we need to have about how quickly people are willing to forgive him when he has literally said, I'm siding with the fascists. And I know in episode two, Crosshair was a part of a team that gunned down innocent civilians, um, who were unarmed, um, So I really do think we need to examine, first of all, why we're so willing to forgive him so quickly and why we don't feel like like a lot of people don't want to don't care about seeing him put the work in for redemption. Um, So I don't think that I totally understand and I don't disagree with people saying like, yeah, no, Crosshair's. Yeah, he's kind of done. He's done the thing. It's a little late now because I was personally up until like this episode. And even still was kind of in the camp. Like, I don't really want to see him redeemed. I just kind of want to see him be evil and mean. Um, But I do think he is poised at this point to have his arc in season two be like, oh, my actions have consequences. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And I I would like to know um, in season two, you know, how much of being, because obviously when he, well, I would assume in, in, is it episode two or three, whatever, when he, commits literal literal war crimes um which is obviously horrible um i would like to know how much of that he actually remembers you know because it'd be one thing if he because i don't really understand how the chips work exactly and once you're like unchipped how much you kind of know because it'd be interesting if if he doesn't remember any of that then he still doesn't know you know what the emperor empire is is capable of but if he does remember part of that then i think he does need to start thinking about it and if he's not starting to feel a little bad about that then once again you know we can look at him and say sir what are you doing um but yeah it's it's interesting we're at like the point where it's like okay you're starting to gather this information and you need to make a decision at this point you're going to be a cool character regardless however whether we're going to be morally okay with what you're doing is going to depend on, on his actions in the first few episodes. Yeah. I think he, I would say that I think he does remember it because Wrecker talked about with Omega and how he was like, I'm sorry, I was trying to fight. I was trying to fight it. And he like, what it, I feel like what it is, is that, yeah, you're, you're aware of what you're doing, but you just can't help it. Um, and so, yeah. So I, I think, I think, he definitely remembers everything he did. And then, and then I think that that's more compelling because it's what happens when you regain full autonomy, you remember what you did when you didn't have control. I'm like, I'm sure there's a, like that, that question, just everything going on with, with crosshair is so interesting to me. Mm -hmm. He's definitely the most interesting character I think in the show. And, and, and then I've seen in a while, I think in star Wars period. And so, yeah, I, I, it makes me wonder a lot of people, I think wanted him to immediately return back to and rejoin his brothers at the end of this episode. And I'm like, I, I, I don't see a world where that makes sense after all he feels, he definitely feels betrayed. I mean, he talks about that constantly. The finale episode is all about, paralleling back to the first episode and how the bad batch was so eager to go back for Omega, but 
why weren't they going back for crosshair? Then you have like Wrecker saying, why didn't you come back for us? And it's like, could crosshair come back for us? But like Wrecker's the only one who also has chip activated. So if anybody knows what it's like to try and fight it, it's Wrecker. So is he justified in having and saying that kind of stuff? Um, but yeah, the, the, the idea that, oh, I'm going to regroup with my brothers completely absolves me of all of the crimes and all of the horrible things that I've done is one. I just don't think it's interesting in terms of a character arc in general, but also it, it, it should be a red flag. Like just somebody turning back, I don't think is enough, but we also don't see atonement arcs. We, at least we haven't yet in star Wars. We've only seen, we've only seen the turning back and then we see the dying, but we have, I mean, Callus is the only one I think where you see like a turning back and then like a working to try and do better and, and find atonement. Um, but, but yeah, I, that's what I hope for season two is what it was, what that looks like. If Crosshair seeks redemption and seeks atonement or if he decides to just keep going his own way in either way, I think it'll be interesting. I'm curious to see uh, how he's going to get off that platform. <laughs> uh, Cause yeah. he's, he's all alone out there. He's in the middle of the ocean and, and you know, <laughs> like but I, I know think... um, people have mentioned it, but the other thing too, is they did have to get close to the platform to get it to rise up out of the water. A lot of people have said this, but now that the ship is gone, is it just going to sink back down with him still standing on it? <laughs> He's going to be treading water like Rampart, please come pick me up. I feel like this is going to be one of those things where the writers are like, we're just going to do a big time jump so we don't even have to deal with the logistics of how this, you're yeah. just going to like, episode one's going to, season two is going to open and like Crosshair is going to be like, either with the Empire or like bounty hunting somewhere and then we just don't have to worry about You know, another <laughs> thing too is that, remember in episode three when uh, Omega's trying to find something on the ship and then she finds Crosshair's stuff? You know, I think they could have offered him his stuff back. It's like, hey, while while you're out here, do you do you want your things back? Like, because we got them on the ship and we're not using them, so you might as well not them might as well take them back. Playing to the left by Beyonce for Crosshair. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, that was that might be my only complaint about the finale is the last like two or three minutes felt like very much like we're here, you're not coming, peace. There didn't really seem to be much like. Even like, I don't even think they needed to like ask him many more times, but you know, like a little more dramatic music, maybe a little slow-mo of the Marauder flying away. I don't know. It just felt very much like, oh, and we're done. Rip crosshair. Good luck swimming. (laughs) I think, I think he was completely justified in not joining them again at the end of the episode too, because he's going through a lot right now because obviously he doesn't feel like he fits in with the bad batch because he feels very betrayed. And I think rightfully so. Um, and then again, once he realizes that, oh, well, the empire just left me for dead. Like they were open fire on, on Topoka city with me still there. Um, he's like in, in between right now. And I think his arc in season two is going to be really compelling. And it's going to kind of been be him really figuring out like where he belongs. I mean, is that not what star Wars is, is finding your place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and so I think, I think in season two, I think he will find his way back to the bad batch eventually, but it's going to take some time and it's going to take some, some, almost self-discovery and kind of um, realizing that he's done some wrong and that he needs to make up for that in some way. I am also in the camp where I believe he a hundred percent still has his chip in his head because all we know is that he's, he said he does it. So all we have is his word and he keeps grabbing his head. And I'm like, why would they make him do that? If he didn't still have his chip, 
in his head because if Crosshair has been acting like this on his own free will without the chip, that's going to crush me. Um, so I am, I'm holding on for dear life that he still has his chip in his head and that he's, he's just fighting it off the best he can. Yeah. I don't know. So, who ha- yeah. I have an opinion. I, I, I can't tell. Look, you want to go? I also do have some thoughts regarding <laughs> that. You go ahead. I'm just going to echo. So Beth, um, for for listeners, Beth uh, is a is a friend of of ours on TikTok as well at Mara.j.skywalker. Um, and she just uh, uh, dissects verbiage is like a big part of what she does um, for a living. And she and I were talking about that chip in chip out and she went back and was looking at how crosshair how you see him speak in the way that he acts at the beginning when we know his chip is in versus after the Braca episode and how he acts and his mannerisms and the way that he speaks is different and it feels more like normal crosshair and so that is evidence that maybe his chip is out but even if his chip is out, it does point to him acting more crosshair and thus more of his own free will. So I'm definitely in the camp that like, even if his ship is still in, like it's either eroded or his ship is out, but the decisions he's making in the finale, like I fully believe are his own free will autonomous decisions. I, uh, I agree 100% with that. Um, I think it's Noah at the Jewish Jedi on TikTok who has also said kind of like, it doesn't really matter at what point he got his chip removed because he never chose to make like, like at this point, despite the fact that he does feel betrayed by his brothers, which is obviously sad. It doesn't excuse the fact that he has seen the things the empire has done, seen the things that the empire made him do. And it's still like, yeah, no, I'm cool with that. Um, I also think a lot of people forget there is a line in the Clone Wars arc, um, the Bad Batch arc in the Clone Wars, where he talks about the regs in a really not good way. And is like, yeah, I would have left Echo behind too. Like, whatever, like, they don't really matter. So I think a lot of people don't think about that aspect is that Crosshair's always kind of been elitist. Um that being said, of course, like he's still a really interesting character and there's still no shame in liking him and enjoying his story. Um, but I just think there's, uh, but I agree. I think even if his chip is still in, I think that his choices are, are at this point, I do believe his choices are his own. Um, because we see from Hauser as well is that Hauser's chip, I'm 100% sure is still in, but Hauser is still able to make choices and is still able to say when it doesn't involve Jedi, I can think clearly and still act of my own free will to a certain extent. So I think they wouldn't have shown that whole situation with Hauser if they didn't want us to critically apply that to Crosshair. Mm. Yeah, that's a great point. That is a good point. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Um, Something that is about chips, sort of a tangent, but it's about chips. Um, I was talking yesterday to uh, my good friend, Sydney, I believe her TikTok username is at rebel underscore Ray, but I can't quite remember. But anyway, something like that. If you type it in, she's great. You also check her out. Um, However, we were talking about this and about the chips and about Hauser. And she asked the question that neither of us felt like looking into when we were talking about it. Do the chips eventually just kind of like deteriorate and become not not useful like could that have been something that may have happened to some of the older clones 
without having gotten them taken out. Uh, I think Hauser is one of the older clones, correct? So could that have been a reason perhaps why he kind of suddenly was like, ah, the empire sucks. Um, and could this potentially be something that maybe is happening to crosshair and potentially, again, I'm just going out on a limb here. Um, since his ship was supposedly enhanced, could that have made it deteriorate faster? I don't know. This is a little out there, but uh, it's kind of sciencey, and so my brain is like, "Ooh, let's talk about that <laughs> chip science." If y'all know actual, like the actual how chips work, please inform me and everyone else. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't think that we know exactly how the chips work, but that wouldn't yeah. surprise me. That's actually a really interesting thought is that they're super strong when the, when the order is activated, but then after, after some time, they kind of deteriorate because we've seen what a deteriorated chip looks like uh, from seasons of six of the clone wars. So maybe that's what all the clone, the chips look like inside of their heads after, after some time. But um, yeah, I think, I think that would be a really interesting um, idea. Question, are there, were there other orders besides Order 66? Do you guys know? I think so, but I don't know what, but I am pretty sure. The only can, the only information that we have on like different orders, I believe is from Legends. So in canon, I don't think there are any other confirmed orders or if there is another order. Um, And to answer the question, I so I have been on this very specific soapbox of how I think the chips work, um, or at least specifically how Order 66 works, is that we know from Wrecker having his little moment um, that the chips specifically are in regards to killing the Jedi and Jedi sympathizers. Um, so when there aren't Jedi involved, I think that the clones are much better at acting of their own free will because we see when they destroy Kamino in this most recent episode the clone that reports to Rampart to confirm that Camino has been destroyed looks really apprehensive about it. So it was definitely a choice to show even the clones that have chips and we don't know old that old that gentleman is. It doesn't really matter. They still have their own individual thoughts and are still conflicted about stuff. It doesn't turn them into droids, which is the whole point is that the clones are not robots. And that's one of the big things and that's in I believe I mentioned Dark Disciple last time I was on this podcast um but in Dark Disciple there is a part where Dooku talks about like I believe it's Dooku um you know we use droids so there's no casualties and then there's so many other parts in Star Wars where they're like well we use clones and they're people so they're they're better at thinking and better at fighting and they can make decisions that droids can't and that is a huge theme I think of media around clones post order 66 like that's what the whole bad batch i think the whole arc with hauser was about so yeah i mean i think the chips deteriorating could be a thing um but i'm also kind of inclined to think unless a jedi is involved the chip isn't super important to the story unless otherwise stated like to the clones like thought process if that makes sense that's a thing people were talking about too with hausers because People were like, did he execute Order 66? Like, we don't know. Because there were Jedi and Ryloth, maybe he didn't. Um, so I think I think the fact that it might have, how do I want to phrase this? The fact that it, it would be so closely tied to Jedi and, and, you know, maybe 
the only way Order 66 is is effective on clones is whether they're in the presence of a Jedi or not. I think that's a really interesting thing to think about. Yeah. So if yeah, that's the I, case, like, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I wonder, I wonder also, because Crosser, we know Crosser's ship is enhanced. Mm-hmm. And so what does an enhanced ship look like versus a regular ship? Like, did they enhance it so much that like, crosshair so that they could control her crosshair in a way that they weren't able to control maybe the other clones because what crosshair does doesn't have any jedi involved but we see an influence of the chip on him so yeah i the the lore around the chips i feel yeah. like it's very minimal <laughs> and i would love a little a little breakdown less uh, an appendix to the star Dave, wars book can um, we get a little bit on chips please <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, that was a huge like question I have about the the Bad Batch as a whole, and something I kind of wish they had done more, and probably will in season two. But I wish they had shown us a bit more of Crosshair and of like the chipped clones, where we explicitly know they're chipped. But I would like, even if it was just a cutaway scene with the Kim and Owens talking to Rampart or Tarkin or whoever, being like yeah, the chip will make him more likely to do X, Y, Z or will make him more compliant or whatever. Like just an explanation there would have been really cool. But again, I'm sure in season two, there will be conversation of that. Well, and I think that's why I'm very conflicted about uh, like Crosshair just in general, because we really haven't seen, we didn't see much of him. And I'm like, are we assuming that he was off committing more crimes all the time. I mean, probably, but at the same time, it's like, it's hard, especially because of the two, there's the two scenarios, right? Like if he just, so if he just has the normal chip and it hasn't really been enhanced and we're assuming that it only affects Jedi, then that we can assume he was kind of in control of pretty much everything he was doing, which is bad. And that is bad for him. And that lowers him on my sympathy scale by a lot. But if we assume that perhaps the enhanced chip acts in the same way as normal chips do, um, like turning the clones against the Jedi, but instead his enhanced chip was like making him target the members of the bad batch, because that is a theme we see a lot is every time he sees them, he's like, I gotta get them. Um, Then then I don't know. See, this is the problem because we know nothing about the chips and we also didn't see Crosshair very much. So I'm very excited for season two, like already. Um, as I said earlier, like I don't know why people thought that it didn't leave us wanting more because I want so much more. Um, and then, of course, the other thing too is perhaps and likely the reason why he was so obsessed with finding his brothers is because they abandoned him and he does have that kind of personality that's out for revenge. So there's all these things and I'm very conflicted because once again, I'm a huge proponent of, uh, you know, if you don't understand or you don't see what's happening, then I'm not going to, like I said, completely be like, you are the worst person ever because I've used this example before in lost stars. I think, have you all read it? So, so Thane joins the empire because that's what you do when you grow up on a backwater world. And that's all, you know, that's what you do. But the second he realizes, oh, this is actually really bad, he leaves. And so I'm not going to be mad at him for the first 100 pages of the book when he goes to the Imperial Academy because he didn't know better. But I don't know if that same can be applied to Crosshair because I don't know if he knew better or not. And this is why I'm very conflicted. (laughs) 
I think we the benefit we we as an audience can benefit from the fact that we don't have all the information right now is that the ability for us to sit here, the four of us and be like, I don't know what to like, think like he's kind of justified, but is he justified? This is bad. This is good. I think a lot of the criticism around the bad batch finale circles on, they didn't spoon feed me exactly what I wanted to see. And like the, it, it truly solidified the show is like one it's all in the gray. I can Hunter and the bad batch messed up on one point crosshair messed up crosshairs justified in his feelings. The bad batch justified in their feelings. Um, and I, I would love more of crosshair, but I'm totally, I like that. We didn't get as much as him as we thought in this season, because again, it, 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 makes that ending more I think satisfying to me and also more maddening because it makes you it's just it's making you think you know it's making you ask these questions and then also with like crosshair it's like you see him I'm curious how did he get to the point where he's saying the empire is the order that I want to stand with the empire is going to be the might in the galaxy and it's like if anything, I would have loved more of Rampart talking to Crosshair because you see Crosshair a lot with Rampart. And so my question is, what do their conversations look like? What is Rampart saying to Crosshair? How did Crosshair come to the conclusion that the Empire is the place to be? And it's like, yes, I would have. I think, yeah, it's like we would have benefited from more of Crosshair to understand how he got to that point. But I do like that we don't have all of the answers and that we have to like sit with it and, and digest it and, and talk about it a little bit more. It's not an easy show. And I think people are expecting an easy show. I was, I watched the the latest episode of the Rex and around show today. And they said that the bad batch is, it, they use a slow burn writing style writing process. It's not like your normal star Wars shows with, you know, action and, and everything like that it's it's all about the characters really and kind of their their journey and their their emotional you know things going on and it is a slow burn because they do make you wait to see what's going to happen and, and they do kind of drag it out but i think they drag it out in a really effective way that that still has you invested in the story and the characters and that that keeps keeps you wanting to come back for more oh yeah definitely and I think people expected it to be, you know, like the last four episodes of Clone Wars season seven. And when it wasn't, they, they threw fits. And I mean, that, that was an unrealistic expectation. The last four episodes of Clone Wars season seven are the last four episodes of a seven season show that was leading up to that point the entire time. I mean, let's use some, I get it. Like I get why people were like, there wasn't enough action, but there was, and there was enough thoughts and it's okay if you didn't like it 100 percent. but to say it's bad is just very a very immature take. i cannot believe how much backlash <laughs> there's been about the last episode it's because it was a good episode i had no issues with it whatsoever and not every season finale especially a season one finale needs to be super high stakes over the top action um, just craziness, you know? And another thing too, is I was thinking about it. I think, I think everybody pretty much was expecting somebody to die in this episode, just because it was a a season finale, but, but we, we were blessed and and Dave was, was showed mercy. So let's, let's just think that, that they, the plan 
from the start was that nobody was going to die in the season finale. How do you make an episode where everybody survives that that still lives up to the expectations of of the crazy over the top, you know, insane season finale? I think for what what the episode is with the outcome it had, I think it was fine. I had no issues with it. This is kind of a soapbox I have with Star Wars, but also with franchise media as a whole is people are such diehard fans. Rightfully so. There's a lot of stuff to enjoy and there's so much stuff to work with to speculate with. But a lot of the times the ideas that we come up with, we come up with what we want to see. And then when what happens doesn't meet that expectation, people get upset, which is understandable because that's just how the human mind works. But we need to be able to separate that and say, was it what I was expecting? No. Was it still good? Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Um, but you can't say like, oh, it was objectively bad. Um, I personally think like a lot of people are saying like, oh, it wasn't climactic. M- maybe there's an argument there, but like we lost Camino. Camino is one of the, like, it's a staple of Star Wars for so many people. It was an intro to so many people's Star Wars experiences it symbolizes the end of the era of the clones. So even if I think it was very much a show don't tell situation because we didn't see the bad batch being like, Oh no, Camino, this was our home. We have conflicting feelings about it, but it really does show that the clone, the era of the clones is over. Like they don't need to say it because we as viewers, especially as like people like us, Um, who are all adults with critical thinking and media analysis skills, we can look at that. I don't mean that to sound mean, I'm sorry. (laughs) But we can watch that and say like, oh, this is more of a symbolic loss aside from just losing like a place. Camino means so much to so many. I know like I'm not someone who cries during media just in general, I got misty when we saw Camino going down. That hurt me deeply. And even though there was like a lot of bad stuff that happened on Camino, it holds such a special place in Star Wars lore. So, you know, that I think is the climax of that. That is the big thing that almost the death this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the death. The death of Camino is the death we didn't all realize we were going to get. And that's yeah. what made the the Kiner brothers cry when they were com- composing the score yeah. for the finale. Uh, and another thing about that too is I don't know if that was the first time, but it wasn't raining Camino and it was sunny. And I think I think the irony of that is that comes after the destruction and after the violence, after all that that negativity and, and just total you know destruction, annihilation. We finally get a moment of peace on Camino, and I, I think that was really touching in a way yeah that that yeah. moment that moment like man just omega like looking out over in the bad bash behind her and the the sun it reminded me of it reminded me of two things it reminded me of the season one rebels finale when hope when ahsoka is like this is a new day a new beginning just literally what this is it's a new day literally because the sun is shining um and then it also like on a like a physical sense um but then it also reminded me of leia's quote and is it the last jedi when she says um hope is like the sun if you only believe it when you can see it you'll never make it through the night and it's like they made it through the night and the now we are truly on the precipice of a new beginning a new uh stepping forward where do you go from here 
I quoted that Leia quote in a school paper last year. Yes. <laughs> it's so good though. You know what? It's so good. It's an underrated quote. To the people, to the last Jedi haters, if you like nothing else in that movie, like that quote for crying out loud, like, come on. <laughs> Sometimes Star Wars is good. Um, I hate to break it to everyone, but Sometimes Star Wars is good, um, but I do the sun shining on Kamino too is so, and especially the idea of them having to like them leaving Crosshair behind standing on that platform and he looks around, he's like, dang, this is the first time it's been sunny on this entire planet and I'm never coming back here again. This sucks. He's like, dang, I've been waiting for to be sunny forever. And <laughs> now it is and it's gone. Oh, yeah. Dang. <laughs> the other thing too, uh, well, like, again, with the, the criticism that I d- I'm not understanding, um, especially, so two things about how people are like, nobody died. It wasn't exciting. For one, it wouldn't, we we know we're getting a season two. I would bet we're going to get at least three seasons. Like I'm going to, I'm calling it now. I think there's enough that we could do to get three seasons. Probably not more, but but three. I, I'm, at least I'm hoping for three. Um, so it wouldn't make sense to kill off one of the title characters right right then like it just that wouldn't make sense like let's use some some critical thinking skills but also a bigger question i now have for the star wars fandom as a whole do do, do people have to die for it to be good like now i'm wondering because for me i love rogue one because of how it shows the implications of the war and and how it shows you know that life actually sucks and, you know, people are dying, but like, not that they're dying, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's showing the war. I don't like it because all the characters die at the end. In fact, that's like my least favorite part of it. But now I'm wondering, I've been thinking about this all yesterday and today. I'm like, do people just like love Rogue One because everybody died? Because that's the vibe I'm getting from a lot of people in this fandom. Like, I'm very, I'm very confused now. I, I don't think it's you guys. However, I am a little concerned for some of our fellow Star Wars fans based on some of the comments about being disappointed that no one died that I've been seeing. From like, I think that there, it does make sense for people to like, be like, oh my gosh, someone's going to die because it does provide like an immediate emotional impact. Um, So I think that that's the first thing people think of like, what's something that I'm going to feel. Um, but I, I do agree. Like, I think as Rogue One is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Um, I think that thematically it wouldn't make sense if they didn't all die at the end. I think that's part of the part of what makes that movie so special. Um, but I also think like not every Star Wars movie has to end in tragedy. I mean, the original trilogy, the whole main squad, you know, you've got Luke, Han, Leia, Lando, Chewie, R2C3PO, like none of them die. And that's, you know, Return of the Jedi is one of the most iconic movies like of all time. And it's one of my favorite movies, full stop. I I think a lot of the times people want that pain, but then sort of ignore some of the other things that could give you a similar emotional payoff. Like, again, like we said, like no one died, but we lost Camino and that was the death. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to see us continue down a path where we say like, yes, we're putting these characters through the ringer and we are dealing with a lot of heavy topics, but we don't need someone to die for the story to be meaningful or impactful. There are cases where it does need that or where that does serve the story, but I don't want to see characters get like (laughs) fridged 
like unnecessarily. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. The like, cause yeah, I was I was crying. The I'm I am I think I'm the opposite of you, Ollie, where I can cry very very easily, and I cry a lot. <laughs> I cried multiple times throughout the show, <laughs> and the finale parts one and two were no different. Um, but yeah, one of the things that made me cry the most was like Omega and moments where Omega's being super hopeful and being super optimistic and nobody's dying in those parts, but yeah, it is still eliciting a similar emotional reaction and to everybody's always like, why is star Wars so sad in a moment where not to, I mean, this finale was still very sad. Um, but but it, yeah, it wasn't sad, I think, in the way people are expecting. And and yeah, it all goes back to what's your expectation. And if you are disliking something because it doesn't meet your expectations, it's fine. But recognizing that you can't say that it is bad because it didn't meet your expectations, like that, that doesn't work. That Because you can't, that's an absolute statement. And only Sith deal in absolutes. So. Correct. Retweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do want to, this feels like a good spot to switch a little bit. Um, I want to talk about Omega and Camilla, you've mentioned this many times about how she's like the light <laughs> in, in, oh, there she is. There she is. Here comes the girl. Anyway, um, I, I think this would be a good, a good time to talk about, you know, we have so much dark in the show, but Omega really is the light. And, and as you were saying earlier, even with, you know, she didn't lose that childlike wonder that she had in the first episode, which is really rare for star Wars um, and really heartwarming and does make me cry too. Um, normalize, you know, being satisfied with happy tears and not just sad tears. Um, but yes, let's talk, let's switch a little and talk about Omega. I think she had some some really interesting growth this season too because while she didn't lose that childlike wonder she definitely did grow up and mature a lot um which is obviously due to a lot of the things she saw but um in the end you know she still maintained that we got to help people um but i think she's starting to learn you know we got to help people in a way that that we can help them, you know, cause in the beginning it was like help people at all costs, even if we can't do it for some reason. And now, you know, she's, she's learning how to be a little, little good soldier, but not, not, not a good soldiers follow orders type, a, a good in the sense of, I want to help people, but I'm going to figure out the best way to do it instead of just rushing in, or at least that's, that's what I seem to have noticed. It's interesting that you say, we have to help people, but like the way that she looks at helping people is different from the beginning versus the end. Because I think you like really, especially see that in her conversation with Crosshair. Like if you compare the conversation she has with him in, in part two of the finale versus the first episode is very similar and how they're both sitting down. Crosshair just, just touched his head and the beginning Omega is saying, I know what you're going to do, but please don't like, it's the chip is essentially what she's implying and then goes on to say later. But then in the finale, she's saying, I was, I wanted to believe that it wasn't the chip, but this is who you are. And so I think that's the clearest moment of growth in her where she recognizes something. She was, she was naive and ignorant in the beginning, but her experiences throughout the show helps her realize the truth about this character 
at the same time, though, I think a lot of people see that and think, oh, she's lost all hope in Crosshair. But she never says you can't come back. She never says like you're lost forever. Um, at the very end, she's saying to him, like, you're their brother. You're my brother, too. And she still has that longing to see him come back to them. She just has a better understanding for who he is as a person. And she's better able to judge people because she's met so many different kinds of people. And so that, I think that was one of the most poignant moments to see in terms of her development. I think she's come so far and I'm so proud of her and I can't wait to see where she goes. And she is like, like, I also think something too that, really um was interesting is that she goes from sort of being the bad batch's like little sister like the little one they're all looking after to being like their older sister <laughs> who's sort of calling the shots and is like not only like chronologically their older sister but she feels responsible for them and she expresses um expresses that um which i think is a really cool choice is her seeing like i have a responsibility to you and it's a really cool discussion about family um and what family means and like how connected are you to your blood family and how much does that matter um so that i'm always interested in that sort of story um i think the other thing too that we were talking about i guess i just want to expand on that is the idea of omega being like her motivations feel really realistic she feels like a little girl like a real child I think we see a lot of media where they're accurate, like younger boys, like we get Ezra and I love Ezra to pieces. Um, But like, I feel like he's a pretty reasonably realistic representation of like the teenage motivation. And Omega, I think is the first time we see like a literal like child because she's younger than Ahsoka was for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, but what's nice too is when she talks to Crosshair she and we see this is like she wants to help people as much as they deserve and want to be helped um and that's like a very realistic motivation and i i just love seeing i love seeing kids who actually act like kids and who have you know act like real people but still have a certain level of wonder and optimism and i just love omega i think omega is such an amazing addition to the star wars universe i'm head over heels for her Yesterday, I posted a TikTok where I ranked every episode um, from season one. And there was somebody in my comments that said, the video had nothing to do with Omega. It was just ranking the episodes. And this person commented, Omega is an F-tier character. I'm like, hard disagree. Um, I I really, I I don't get the Omega hate. Because to me, she's, she's almost like the glue, I feel like, that's holding the batch together at this point. And you know, she just sees the good in everybody and she sees the good in Crosshair and she tries to, to you know, um, show some empathy for him and everything. And, and oh, I will say, though, the one, you know, I definitely don't agree or like everything that comes out of Crosshair's mouth, especially when he said, uh, just because you're a clone doesn't mean you're one of them. And I was like, dude, did you, you didn't have to say that. Like, you didn't have to go that far. Um, but yeah, Omega's just, she's she's the hope of the Bad Batch, you know? And I, I... I love her character. I love where I'm excited to see where they're going to take her in season two. Um, and I'm on the look for that uh, Omega Funko Pop too, because I'm going to try and get them all. 
There's been a bunch out here. So if you want me to grab one and I mail it to you, and Ollie, I still owe you your Thrawn doll as well. So just let me know. No rush. I don't think I yeah, want to know what this Thrawn doll thing is. No, it's because it's because Camilla is the, the MVP of getting people things in places where they cannot go. Because there is um a wooden Thrawn doll from Disney World or um, Disneyland that I'm obsessed with. And I was talking to Fern and Julia about it. So I guess through the grapevine, I'm just, uh, anyway, I'm That's so incredible. excited so to this see is why This is why we make friends on the internet, because they can get you wooden Thrawn dolls. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a Bo-Katan for Beth that I'm staring at. So truly, Kev, if, if I see Omega and you want me to snag her for I'll, you, uh, I will. I'll, I'll hit you up later. Yeah. <laughs> um. Um, okay, before we run out of time, Akir, I did have something I wanted to say. Um, with regard to the aggressive Omega hate, a lot of what I'm seeing is um, Omega is so annoying and she's constantly taking them on side quests and it's causing filler episodes. Like, that's not the comment, but that's the vibe I'm getting from people. And to these people, I would just like to say there, there literally cannot be such a thing as a filler episode when it's on a streaming service because they are not like bound by any contract of TV to produce a certain amount of episodes. If they only wanted to do all like the 10 episodes that people are considering not filler, they could have just done that, but they have a story to tell and they have a reason why they're putting in all of these quote unquote filler episodes, which I don't think are filler because I think they're great. Um, And again, I'm just like, so 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 far over all of these people that are like this everything with with Sid and Omega is filler it's like it's not it's not um because once again if it was filler true filler they just wouldn't put it in like why would they waste their money if they didn't have a story to tell and they didn't have a point because once again it's a streaming service you can can literally have as many episodes as we you want like we saw with with the Marvel shows WandaVision had nine Falcon and the Soldier and, and and Loki had six because that's all they wanted for what they were doing at that time. Mando has eight. Who knows how many the Book of Boba is going to have? Like they get to decide. And so nothing, this is a rant I could go on for days, but all that to say, Omega is great and her episodes are not filler. Um, because also within, within going on all of her little side quests and helping people, that's how she's growing. And that's how we get her from point A to point B from episode one to episode 16, you know, in, in, in going from, we got to help everyone at all costs to, we should help people, but we can only help them as much as they want to be helped, which I think is very, very great growth. And another thing about the filler episodes too, (laughs) is that we're getting a season two. So we don't know if anything that happens in these quote unquote filler episodes is going to come back in the play later. It's exactly. like you can't you can't call something filler if it's if it's gonna have an impact on the story later. So I don't exactly. like I don't they, get it. They brought back Cut Laquane. Like you can't say like like at this point, I'm like, dang, I need to rewatch every single episode of Clone Wars and Rebels and The Mandalorian because I'm afraid they'll make a reference to it in the Bad Batch that I won't understand because every single Star Wars property is essential reading. Like it is. It, it, it just, is. It's just so funny. And I also think the other thing I say too about filler episodes is I don't think it's bad if something's quote unquote filler. Like just because the plot isn't driven forward in one episode doesn't mean it's bad. Like one of my, sorry to keep bringing up Rebels. One of my favorite episodes of Rebels is 
um, where Zeb and Ezra steal the TIE fighter. And it's that just, episode it's just is a so fun good. episode. Like, some of the parts do come in, like, are important later. But, like, episodes like that are just fun. You learn a little bit more about the characters. And even if the plot isn't driven forward, and even if there's not a lot of development, it's just enjoyable. And I think that's something that we lose sight of a lot, especially with streaming services and with seasons of shows being shorter and shorter. We want to make sure, like, what time we have is valuable. So we want to make sure it's going towards developing the plot and the characters. And I understand that. But especially with a show we know is getting a season two, let's sit back and allow ourselves to enjoy it. Yeah. And this, you know what the thing is? The same people would complain if we only got eight episodes of The Bad Batch. They'd be like, why did we only get eight episodes? And be like, Because y'all didn't want the quote unquote filler. So even though, once again, it's not, we don't know. We won't know and if it's filler until the end of everything. Plus, like you said, not everything has to be plot driven. Sometimes, you know one sentence in a episode that you don't think is is plot driven could be furthering character development and also with the bad batch too we have like no information about early empire in this time and so a lot of it was just world building which i personally really really like because i think this whole time period is so interesting especially the transition from the republic to the empire so interesting um and so we're getting world building like come on people like uh i'm convinced some people truly just want laser sword fights and that's that's it which is fine if that's why you like star wars that's totally fine but some of us are out here enjoying the deeper the deeper aspects of star wars star wars is more than just the pew pew and the laser swords you know so <laughs> yeah it truly yeah. is it truly is another thing that um people seem to be complaining about a lot and sorry to make this a people are complaining about this and I think that's dumb podcast, but something that people are complaining about is saying things like, Oh, this show is turning into, you know, cameo of the week, which is just false. I mean, how many cameos did we have in 16 episodes? Like really not that many. Like, I mean, if you include like, like, everybody in the Ryloth episodes and it like bumps it up a bit more but if you like just count hair up it's less but like I personally feel they added a lot um and also Camilla I believe made this point on TikTok people only really started to complain about cameo of the week after uh our girl Hera showed up which, you know, I would like to give people the benefit of the doubt could just be because you know that was you know the fourth or fifth cameo but it, it could also be, you know, some underlying, some underlying things. Um, however, regardless, I do think all the cameos were great. I think they all fit in really well. I mean, we had Rex, which made perfect sense, you know, with the chips, um, like that just made so much sense. And, and especially, you know, in a show about clones, especially one about clones that have interacted with Rex before, it wouldn't make sense to not have Rex in this show. Like it just, it wouldn't. And I don't think anyone was upset about that cameo, to be honest, but for the sake of this, I'm going through them all. Um, so that one, that one made sense. And then, and then was next Cad Bane and Fennec. Well, Fennec, I guess came up first technically um, in episode four or three, um, which made sense. Both of those made sense as bounty hunters. Like, People would have probably been mad if they would have just brought in new bounty hunters. They would have been like, why didn't we use the ones we already had? So again, don't understand the complaint there. Um, and then we had Hera, 
Oh, I forgot Kanan. Sorry, my bad. Kanan was great. Again, I don't think anyone was complaining at that point, except for a little bit of like the retconning that happened, but whatever. Um, Again, Kanan made sense. Like they needed to illustrate Order 66 because it's a Dave Filoni show. And who better than someone we already know and someone we already love to feel that impact. Um, And then then we have Hera, who I think added a lot of development to uh, Omega. So again, important. Um, and also, like, who doesn't want to see Marta's sisters too? Oh my gosh, I'm so bad as yeah, them, which again made sense. Um, because we're tying in with Rex. Yeah. So then we get you know Gregor in the last exactly the last, uh, not last episode. Second. I mean, the other thing, like the thing that I think of is like, let's break down what a cameo is. Cause I feel like a lot yeah. of I know that um this is something we talked about. Um, I talked about with Noah again at the Jewish Jedi on TikTok. Great account. Um, we had ta- <laughs> we had talked about like what makes a cameo a cameo because a cameo is something where someone shows up and it's just kind of like ah oh, they're there and there's no plot implication or no greater reason for them to be there. Like a cameo would be like if it's like they had gone on and been like oh. We just drove past the thing and look, there's baby Din Djarin and he's just there and doesn't do anything. But every single character that we have seen so far has been important to developing this time period of Star Wars and has had an instrumental role in the plot of the show. Um, So it's I have trouble even saying like they're cameos because they're really just like appearances. You're so right. You're you're so right. Yeah, they really are. Um, So, yeah, first of all, these people are wrong. (laughs) Right. None of these appearances have felt out of place either. Like every time a character shows up, it's with a purpose and it makes sense for the story. So. Yeah. So like an example of something that I feel like I may be upset about is if, as people are saying, Obi-Wan shows up in the Andor series, because to me, why that makes, that doesn't make sense. I mean, they might make it make sense. And, you know, I might look back at this and be like, I was wrong. If he does show up, if that's a strong, if I don't think he will, something like that feels thrown in whereas none of these feel like they were just thrown in for fan service like they feel like they had a story to tell and they needed a certain type of character and so they used pre-existing characters of that type because it would connect better with fans and who doesn't want to see some of their favorites i mean come on yeah i feel like cameo should be synonymous with easter egg rather than yeah. and then guest appearance because it's like chopper and rogue one that's a cameo i would even yeah. say r7 is a cameo in the bad i feel like that's our only true cameo in the bad batch yeah um because just, he was just just droid was just hanging out. i don't know if r7 is anyway that's just not a point um anyway r7 yeah r7 is like a um is i think the only like real cameo in, in the bad batch but i agree with what's been said already uh all of the all of the guest stars make complete sense to me the clone wars is a sequel or the bad batch is a sequel show to the clone wars and thus it makes complete sense that characters who were in the prequel to it in episode one would show up in episode two so it makes sense to me that you see the martez sisters in this episode it makes sense to me that a show about clones you see rex in it or cad bane you talk about you know super feared fearsome bounty hunter makes sense you have cad bane in there um and i also think that each of the guest stars each of these appearances they're serving a purpose to to help establish again added adding to the world the world building of 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 
the Bad Batch in this time period. And then they're also each serving a purpose in teaching the Bad Batch something about the state of the galaxy. Um, and characters like Saw and and Hera specifically. Really. And again, I mean, but, but like all of these characters, they all make sense, you know? It makes sense that that Tarkin would be like, go take out Saw because it makes sense that Saw is, is saying we have to keep fighting back against the empire that he's, he's not going to just roll over. It all makes complete sense. Perfect sense. Um, and so, uh, um, yeah, it feels like each of these characters, like I think the moment that stands out to me the most is when Rafa says to Hunter in the end, we all choose sides. Um, and you see him wrestling with that through the rest of the season. And especially when they interact with different characters. And so not only do the Marta sisters being there makes sense because they're there because Ahsoka left the order and interacted with them and sent Rex to them. Cause that was her only person outside the Jedi order that he could connect with. But then it makes sense for them to, to be in the bad batch to teach the bad batch, something that would then further their own character development. Like, we don't know again we don't know if in season three episode two the bad batch is going to make a decision because of something that um trace and Rafa said to them in episode four if something that Hera omega does something because of what Hera told her in episode 11 and so on and 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 yeah and and i and i think again the complaints Complaints come down to a lot of expectation, but then also it was very interesting to me that the complaints did start after Hera's episode because often it feels like there's not enough space to enjoy female characters in general the way that there are for male characters because there was complaints after Fennec, there were complaints after the Marta sisters, and there were complaints after after Hera. But that is a whole other can of worms <laughs> that we definitely don't have to dive into. <laughs> I don't know why people are getting so upset either because I love seeing old characters. I love seeing characters that we already know and love. When Hera and Chopper popped over that little cliff, I lit up with excitement. I was like, oh my gosh, look, it's them. <laughs> and, you know, I just, I just, I just don't know why people are getting so upset over that. Dude, yeah. The other thing is like, not to, not to be uh, toxic, but Star Wars, there's a lot of Star Wars fans who would be really upset if there weren't these cameos. Maybe it's like, okay, well, sorry it wasn't Darth Vader. Like, sorry it wasn't Darth Vader. Sorry you have to see a little girl in Hera. Um, and sorry you have to see women characters like Trace and Rafa, who you think are so stupid and you didn't like before. Like, like just because they're not the characters that you wanted to see doesn't mean that they are quote-unquote cameos or that they are bad or that they are devaluing the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like, sorry we didn't see Boba Fett, but... Because, I mean, I would have liked to see the gentleman as well. But, like, <laughs> we did get, like, some really solid world building. And we saw some really cool pre-established characters. I, I, yeah, I think they did nothing but add to the story and develop the world we're in. And it helped contextualize things, too. Like, you need a character who you know where they're at and you know what their motivations are in order to help you realize what, where the characters are POV characters stand and what their moral compass is in comparison to the wider galaxy, especially one that doesn't take place in the world we live in, because it's hard to understand, like, what is the situation? What is the vibe here? So yeah, I really, I like it. I, you know what? I think we should have more cameos <laughs> next season. 
Retweet Bail Organa. Anyone, <laughs> please? Oh, absolutely. Please. Shoot conductor of the Bail Organa train over here. Just, Let's go. Just give I me some bail for, content, please. I can't wait for the episode where Omega Baby sits Baby Leia Organa. Oh, Let's go. Oh, oh man. I didn't Dave, Dave if that. you're listening, please, please give us that. <laughs> I'll forgive you for everything. That would be something to see. <laughs> I'm still waiting to see uh, my man, Commander Wolf, in Bad Batch animation. Oh, it's coming. We got Rex, we got Gregor. He's next. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone said, oh, it was Beth, Mara J. Skywalker. And I thought of you, Kev, when she said this. She was like, I just have this feeling that maybe Wolf will end up being like a bad guy alongside Cody in season two. And I was like, please don't tell Kev that. I think that would ruin ruin him because Crosshair is also your favorite. You know, I do have like, that is my theory. My big theory is that they find Greg or whatever. Wolf and Cody are going to be together. They're going to be like, okay, let's remove both of their chips at once. And they're going to be able to get Cody, get Wolf's out, but not Cody. That's my theory. That's been my theory. I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, I want everyone to know that I was thinking about it. (laughs) I definitely think Cody is going to show up. He has to. I mean, come on. I need to. I don't even like, I don't even like Cody. Cody However, I feel like it would be weird if he didn't show up. So did you guys know he was on the cover of the season one of the Clone Wars DVD set? <laughs> that it's just a picture that. of Cody. Well, now, now we do. It's just him by himself. <laughs> yeah. It's just a picture of Cody. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, today is the, what, what anniversary? It's like the 14th, 15th, 16th. Of, oh yeah. Yeah, it is. Of I think it was 2000, 2008. So however long ago, 2008 was so better at math quickly. There, no. 13, 13, 13. Yeah. That's embarrassing. How long did you guys have figured that out? Math. It's fine. Look, that's why, that's why my degree is in a social science. <laughs> yeah. Mine's in physics and chem. So that really is embarrassing for me. Well, uh, you, it's fine. You have no excuse. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, I guess. So we're sort of started starting to move into that, but let's talk about, you know, our expectations slash predictions for season two and onward. Um, I think we're going to see Rex again, obviously. Kevy mentioned last time, you know, his line at the end of the episode he was in saying, you know, if you ever need me, you can call me. doesn't make sense for them to just literally never show up again. So I think we're going to see Rex. I think we're going to see Cody, um, mainly because I think Cody stands will riot and, 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 and Lucasfilm knows that. Um, if we don't see him. So I, I think we'll see Cody. Um, I hope we see Gregor again because they kind of just rescued him and then he kind of just disappeared off scene. Um, so I hope we see him. I would love, I would love the Bad Batch in an early rebel cell that is Bail Organis. Uh, that might be a little ambitious, but I would love that. <laughs> but again, if that doesn't happen, I'm not going to go out and say season two was objectively bad because I'm disappointed. <laughs> Um, that, that's what I'm thinking. Um, obviously we're going to get more crosshair. We're going to kind of learn. I'm hoping maybe it would be cool if we got some flashbacks of his time during season one, uh, that would be kind of cool to kind of see maybe, or him having like nightmares about it. Ooh, I'm a sucker for nightmares of traumatic events. Um, so that was also like, I would, I was hoping for like, I would love to see some crosshair flashbacks. That is something I would, I would die for. Absolutely. <laughs> um, not literally. I don't care that much. But I 
would, I would like to see them. Um, yeah. I also think this is my, um, I am going to push my agenda. Um, I would like to see Zeb just because I love him. We've seen almost, we've, I think, I think he'd be nice to see. I just like him. <laughs> I think he'd be cool. I'm always interested to see more, but, but in all seriousness though, I would be really interested to see like clearly the characters who are in the bad batch and are surrounding them are realizing the effects of the shift to the empire, but I would love to see a planet you know, like Lisan or another planet that, and like them gradually realizing the effects of the empire. And we did see that a little bit in the episode where they went to, um, I cannot remember the name of the planet, but one of the separatist homeworlds. Braxis. Braxis. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but I would really like to see one that was, you know, not really affiliated with the separatist or was a Republic planet that is, or even an unaffiliated planet that's now saying like, oh, hey, the empire isn't just the Republic with a different name. It's an entirely different thing. Um, and I think obviously spoilers for rebels, obviously we know that Lasan is one of the planets that probably felt that change the most. Um, I would also really like to see what's going on with Geonosis um, because we know by the time of rebels, again, that Geonosis is not inhabited. Um, so I think I would like to see that as a the grand, like, how are the people of the Republic or of unaffiliated planets dealing with that change? Um, and also shout out Fen Rao. I'd like to see him. He was a trainer on Camino, So it would make sense for him to be like, Oh, Hey, the bad batch with the guys love to see that man again. Um, and I also think that we gotta see Cody. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I think, I, I think seeing Gregor was one of the things I really wanted to see. Cause I would, like Gregor, Gregor and Wolf. I I want to see both of them so bad. We got Gregor just waiting for Wolf, and I feel like Cody is adjacent, so I would like <laughs> to see him as well. Um, yeah, I think overall though, like I enjoyed the show so much. I know whatever direction they go with it will be enjoyable. Um, and I'm trying not to make too many predictions because I don't want to like railroad myself into thinking it's going to be a certain way and then having it not be that way and being disappointed. And that is how we healthily, that's not even a word, but um, how we, how we make predictions and, and deal with our disappointment kids um, right there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like for me, it's, I'm thinking about this a little bit and like, there are, there are definitely some desires in terms of, yeah, I'm, 100% on the Bail Organa train, anything. Choo-choo. to just, just Operation Bring ba- More Bail Organa in Star Wars, period, is um, is what I love. But I think thinking about what... I was thinking about what did we get in this season that isn't resolved and what could come in, in season two that I would love to see. I was thinking about Trace and Rafa got this, the tactical, the information on the tactical droid head for Rex. Why does Rex need this information? What does that look like? What is Rex planning? Would love to see that. Um, would love to saw what's up with saw. Where did saw go off to? We saw him in the first episode, but, and then we kind of a little, a hair bit tidbit of honor on in episode three, but what saw up to what Hera, the Sindulas escaped. They're going to go back to Ryloth. How are they? We know, we know what's going to happen with Eleni. How do we get there? What does that look like? Like that's an unresolved arc. 
unresolved arc with Hauser. What's up with Hauser unresolved arc there. So there, ooh, another one too is the Durants. It, it, that feels like that was just a, that does not feel like a one-off intro at all in the, in the infested episode, which I believe is episode 13. Um, to talk about, oh, there's this big crime boss, Issa Durand and her son, um, Roland Durand. Like that, if Star Wars loves Jedi, Star Wars loves rebellions and empires, and Star Wars loves like the underworld crime world. And we haven't gotten a ton of the underworld crime. And so I do think that this Durand family will come into play in a big way and I don't know, maybe Crosshair, if he doesn't go work with the Empire, um, could be involved in the crime underworld in a way and, and doing something to to keep establishing his elitist beliefs over lesser beings in the galaxy. Ooh, that is, that's a good prediction. I totally forgot about the crime thing. Like, literally so much has happened in this season. Um, but yes, I would like to see more crime because I think crime in Star Wars is cool. And... I feel like they they've given us like a lot but like also not a lot at the same time like it's very broad and I want I want more um so kind of my predictions for season two um my hopes and dreams for the Camino uprising have both uh (laughs) metaphorically and literally been destroyed um so that's obviously not happening anymore uh, but that's not to say there still won't be a clone uprising. It just won't happen on Camino because I think Hauser, like they're bringing him back for sure. And there's 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 something that they're going to do with with the clones. Um, I also think uh, and I love this because you guys know I'm a big sequel guy. Uh, we're going to get some tie ins. We're going to start tying everything together, because at the end of this last episode, we we saw um now let's say you get taken to this this cloning facility and then the, the the scientist there was wearing the same outfit that dr pershing wears in the mandalorian and obviously in the mandalorian we see that like snoke looking clone thing so it's all coming together they're they're tying it all together and i love that uh and i do feel like it, it might bring some more people around to the sequels if you get some backstory for for that kind of stuff so i'm all for that um so i, I definitely think we're gonna get really into like the cloning stuff too um and, you know, I think I think it's just going to be another fun season with the Bad Batch. I don't know exactly what they're going to be up to. Maybe they I don't think it's going to be another season of them running jobs for Sid. Uh, maybe they, they you know, join a little uh, you're there for the start of the rebellion or something. You know, I, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see um, what they're up to. But and then we're going to see Commander Wolf. And I am so excited for that day. Uh, because he's he's my favorite but I you know I was thinking about it the other day it's like Commander Wolf has been my favorite clone pretty much all my life Crosshair might be coming for that number one spot it's 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 hard for me to decide so right now I'll just say they're both tied for first but um we're gonna see Commander Wolf and Bad Batch animation and it's gonna be glorious that's another thing about this show too it's stunning to look at it's a beautiful show like it's just especially episode um 14 when they were on um i don't remember the planet name when they went and got gregor the shot where hunter fell out of the ship and he's getting up while while he's being surrounded that i mean it doesn't animation doesn't get any better than that it was breathtaking um and that's another thing too i think we're gonna have um imperial stormtroopers uh in season two because they have the animation model and we're seeing that that kind of slow change. I loved how they brought the Ralph McQuarrie 
concept art into canon with TK Troopers. Um, and I'm just, it's, it's just going to be a long wait for season two, but I am, I am all here for it. I know I want season two like now, but I know it's going to, the payoff is going to be so good when we finally get it. Um, but yeah, the animation truly is like as crisp as it gets without literally being in live action. It's so beautiful. It's so good. Um, I want like screen caps of all of it on my walls. Like it's so nice. (laughs) Um, However, that was all of, that was a great discussion. Great discussion team. Um, That was a lot of, that was all I really had in mind um, when I was thinking about this episode and what I wanted to pick your brains about. Um, However, um, any last thoughts uh, speak now or forever hold your peace until season two, you know, if we're still around, we're still, we're still friends. Maybe we'll have a reunion episode. Um, <laughs> one of us is going to become, which one of us is going to become the crosshair of this group and turn on the others. Hopefully none. Hopefully none. Um, yeah, yeah, we are the bad, the four don't of us. Get any ideas. The bad, bad. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> the- yeah. I got the toothpick in my mouth. So. We're three hunters in a crosshair right now. Yeah. Um, Hopefully that's not foreshadowing anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I did um, want to say that I totally forgot that's totally not even relevant or important really, but why? What I want to know is why when they got in the tubes, why one Omega, the smallest one, got her own tube? Okay. That was just, <laughs> come on. I was like, what is happening? And two, why did they put Hunter and Crosshair in the same tube? I was like, was what? they're going to strangle each okay. other. No, Crosshair and Hunter makes sense to me because they're like, okay, Hunter, Crosshair might pull something. So we want to make sure Hunter's with him so he can, you know, hold him back. I guess. Why did they not put Echo or Tech with Omega? Because, <laughs> no. And you know what? Here's my other theory. They were like, oh, shoot, we forgot to give Echo any lines. Quick, we can give him a line joking about how he's in the same tube as Tech. There we go. <laughs> There's Echo's development for this episode. Poor Echo. That's another thing I want in season two. A little more Echo development. Like, poor guy really got left for dead in season three of Clone Wars. Resurrected and then got no dialogue. <laughs> we got to prove that he's worth more than 2,000 credits yes. in season two. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Season two is only Echo and a bunch of cameos. (laughs) But like actual cameos, like literal, like literal actual (laughs) cameos. Here comes comes 10-year-old Han Solo and he's flying the ship in the background. (laughs) There you go. Oh man, it could happen. You never know. Um, But yeah, that was, sorry, that was my last thought. Anybody else have last thoughts they want to mention? Yeah, I just want to say that Kevin Kiner and the Kiner Bros are not getting the recognition they deserve for the music of the Bad Batch. It's incredible, um, yep. especially these last few episodes when you hear these familiar scores come in. And it was the the music is if you didn't have the music, the Bad Batch wouldn't be as good as it is. I 100% agree. When Camino was coming down and it's just like cutting back and forth between them inside and out like in the water as it was just like and then the the music in that moment well, as it swells and I think it's the, I, I don't remember I think it might be the like the clones theme maybe that's kind of like playing around then oh my and and yeah, and I encourage anybody listening that they tweeted uh, they had a t- thread they tweeted a thread about what scoring this episode in the season meant to them and it's very emotional and very powerful and everyone should go read it because it is chest kiss but yeah the music amazing amazing yeah i think one of the music things that i like again i'm not a crier 
but I think I was so emotional from seeing Camino go down. Um, the scene when Omega is going to save Crosshair um, and she's pulling him out and her theme plays as she's like swimming and shooting to get him out. I was about to lose it. Yep. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. just uh, Kevin Kiner, my icon, my beloved, my entire world, my sun, my stars. <laughs> Thank you Omega's- for your service. Omega's theme is absolutely beautiful. And then too, when um, in episode 15, when when Crosshair and them, they're fighting off the um, the droids and the Bad Batch theme kicks in as they're fighting together for the first time in who knows how long. Oh my gosh, that was, that was, oh, it was just, it was just so good. It's, it's just so good. Yes. Oh, so good. Yeah, truly. Star Wars music in, in general is just always so good, but the Kiner Bros are really raising the bar uh so yeah you don't have to put this in the podcast but my dog's name his name is jw which is short for john williams so that's so cute that's staying in the podcast everybody should know that (laughs) because that's that's pretty good that's incredible um but yeah any any last 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 thoughts before we say farewell yeah, I just want to say how much I loved this show. I haven't been <laughs> this invested in a Star Wars project since the sequel trilogy. And I, I, I say that I've almost been living in this show because I, I'm, you know, so invested in it week to week. I'm always thinking about it. I'm always speculating and just, just enjoying talking with others about it. Um, like my entire TikTok page for the past, who knows how long has been basically just Bad Batch stuff. And I just... I'm loving every bit of it. And I'm just very thankful for that. And, you know, it's fun being a Star Wars fan who actually likes Star Wars, you know? Shocking this is how that it's funny how that's like a rare thing. Right. <laughs> so I, I do think like TikTok, at least I feel like all of us have fallen in the side corner of Star Wars TikTok. That is just a bunch of people that appreciate it. And then, um, are also coming to the defense when 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 trolls do sneak in there um, mm-hmm. and booting them out. But I I am also a, totally agree with what you said, Kev, because I loved the Mandalorian, but this was this was an experience doing Bad Batch and then also being able to hang out with everyone and share thoughts and lose our minds every single week and talking about it. I know I'm kind of sad that it's over. <laughs> For now, anyway, yeah. I mean, obviously, we're going to be getting more Star Wars shows before the next next Bad Batch. But this this has been a good era of of Star Wars internet, at least for me, because, you yeah, know, like you said, Camilla, I feel like we're all kind of we've created our little bubble and occasionally a troll will sneak in there and we're like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, this really is one of the first like Star Wars properties that I have been able to experience with other Star Wars fans who aren't my dad. (laughs) So it's really, it's been such an interesting experience. Um, I, I love the show. I think it's so engaging and it's great that it's definitely like, you know, it's, it's entertaining for people like of all ages. And it's, this is a perfect example of shows that I would say, Oh, you, you're an adult and you don't want to watch animation because it's a kid's show. Please watch the Bad Batch here. Watch the Bad Batch. I promise you will understand. Like, let the, it might be weird story wise for that to be your gateway into Star Wars animation, but I think it's a great show. I I love it dearly. I think it's so much fun. I cannot wait for the next season. Yeah, actually, when you say that, I think this is like the first Star Wars property as well for me that I've actually seen like start to finish with other fans because the Mandalorian season one, I watched by myself because uh, 
I watched it after quarantine started because I was busy and stuff. Um, obviously season two, I watched, you know, when everyone was hype about it, but yeah, this is like the first one that I'm like fully invested in with pals. I can talk about it with that. Aren't just, you know, my family who's like, can you please stop talking about star Wars for one second? So yeah, it's, it will always be special to me for that reason as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think we covered it all. Um, and then some, which is fantastic. I'm really excited to listen back to this. Uh, I hope for everyone still listening to us, you've enjoyed hearing our thoughts. Um, as always, please feel free to reach out to any of us on social media. Definitely check out everyone here's podcasts. They're all really good. I will link like everything. Well, I'll write it out everything in the bio. So there's no excuse not to check it out. Um, and as always, hope everyone's having a great day, night, morning, evening, whatever it is, wherever you are listening. And as always, may the force be with you.